This podcast is sponsored by the Music Player Network at musicplayer.com, the premier musician resource for keyboard players and beyond. Since the year 2000, the Music Player Network has been the go-to source for news and views on music technology, playing tips, and gigging help. The Keyboard Corner is one of the longest-running keyboard forums in Internet history, with guitar, bass, drum, and numerous recording and music tech forums also on offer. Frequented by weekend warriors, manufacturers' representatives, and professionals alike, MPN provides an invaluable resource for any musician, and it's 100% free to sign up and use. Go to www.musicplayer.com to see for yourself. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Keyboard Chronicles, a podcast for keyboard players of the gigging variety. I'm your host David Holloway and once again it's great to be here with you. Ray Manzarek is pretty well recognised as one of rock music's keyboard pioneers with The Doors. Sadly due to Ray's death in 2013 there'll never be the opportunity to speak with him but I'm really pleased to speak instead with Sandy soon. Sandy is an Australia-based keyboard player who, aside from playing both bass and keyboards in cover band The Brazen Liars, also covers keyboards Manzarek style in The Doors tribute band, Unlocking The Doors. As you'll hear, Sandy provides some great insight into gigging, covering The Doors and much more. A quick apology too, you'll hear me mangle Ray Manzarek's name early in the interview. I soon learnt from my guests the right way to say it. Anyhow, enjoy the interview. Hi, Sandy. Thanks for joining us, particularly on a Sunday morning. That's a big call for any gigging musician. Good morning, Dave. It's lovely to be here. <laughs> it's great to chat with you again. Yeah, look, I, I, even I'm struggling on a Sunday morning, so I really appreciate you doing it. Did you, did you have a gig this weekend? No, no. We actually oh, had a good. weekend off. There so um, it's a good chance to go out and catch some other musicians, which uh, is always valuable. Yeah, and... Um, I know um, it's unusual for you to have a weekend off because um, I, I know between sort of the, the two key bands you're in that um, you're, you're rather busy. So, I mean, a disclosure to our listeners, Sandy and I have had the, I've had the pleasure of meeting Sandy um, walk a whole bunch of times and we've even played, um, shared the same gigs, including on a cruise boat on Sydney Harbour, which was a great day. So, yes, yes indeed. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, it was so a good we've, day. We've, We've known each other uh, for a while yeah. and uh, um, uh, in Wollongong, uh, a lot of us musos uh, know each other very well. Yes. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a pleasure to come and, and, and have a chat and, and just talk about, uh, at, about keyboards and our respective experiences. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, we've, we've played together before, but uh, I'm involved in uh, three bands, uh, two main ones, as you mentioned before, um, Unlocking the Doors, the Doors yeah. tribute band uh, which keeps us very busy uh, we only play locally probably to one or two times a year at yeah. the most yeah and, and spend a lot of time touring around because um, it's not uh, look it's uh, it, 
I, I think it's a great show, uh, but after people have seen it uh, two or three times, uh, sometimes they don't need to see yeah. it again for um, yeah. a little while after that. And actually, that's a really good point you raise, and we'll probably talk about that down the track as well as, yeah, just how how serious some of your fans are. And I imagine it's like any tribute act, you've got your, your 10% of people that are the true absolutely devoted fans that will come back time after time. And then, as you said, people go, I'm going to go and get a dose of this and then I'll be right for another year or two. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. 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 Definitely a lot of hardcore Doors fans out there. And uh, and, 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 and they uh, emerge at the gigs from, from time to time and, and they can be very picky. And it's a, a little bit of a challenge sometimes to make sure that the shows are uh, entertaining for as many people as possible uh yet we pay respect to the uh to, to the doors and that uh we're, we're close enough that 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 it keeps uh uh the the the, the dinky die die hard doors fans happy as well yeah exactly and i mean that's obviously the reason i asked you to come on not just because we know each other but because of unlocking the doors and obviously ray manzarek as i've just mentioned in the intro is you know, one of the icons and pioneers of, of rock keyboards, you know, it's hard to go past him, particularly how individual his style was. So, mm. I mean, we, we might as well jump straight, straight into that. How much of a challenge was that? Well, actually, a step back further, what made you, um, in partnership with the other people in the band, decide to do The Doors? What, what brought Unlocking The Doors about? Oh, that, that's an inter- interesting uh, question, Dave. Um Prior to um, unlocking the doors, um, uh, I was involved, I am and I still am, in a um, covers band, uh, Brazen Liars, with my partner Mick on guitar and vocals and our our good mate Rich on the drums. Uh, Rich is an absolute doors aficionado, uh, obsessive doors aficionado. And and, uh, after our Brazen Liars shows, we used to come home and have a couple of drinks and it'd be a race to the record player put on vinyl <laughs> and uh if rich won it'd be uh, a doors album for sure so we spent uh, a lot of time listening to the doors and having a few drinks late at night uh, after shows um then uh ray manzarek uh, passed away a few years ago sadly and uh, we decided we would try and recreate a Doors track. It never occurred to us that we could do that, being a being a three-piece and uh, um, the fact that it's quite daunting to be able to play the bass and the organ at the same time. But we gave it a crack, it worked, and we thought, hey, this sounds like a good idea. So uh, we got a drummer on board and uh, Rich uh, did all the singing and uh, Unlocking the Doors was born. So, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And- and for you, and I was going to delve into this, um, we may do it now as a sideline. So you have um, some formal um, training, am I correct, in as far as piano? Absolutely. Yeah. Quite, a, quite a bit. Um, I grew up in Western Australia in a, in a Chinese-Australian family. And even though my parents are, are, are quite Aussie and uh, embrace the Aussie lifestyle, all, all three kids were put through piano lessons at a very young age, yeah. uh, classical piano lessons, and I managed to stick it out uh, until um, I left high school. So uh, the, the usual round of uh, AMEB exams yeah. and the Steadfords, and um, I was okay. I wasn't fantastic, but uh, that gave me a really good grounding for for the sort of work I'm doing now. Yeah, absolutely, uh, and because and, and, and with Ray's 
playing. And I, I actually, I'm embarrassed to say I haven't looked deep into his background, but I, I don't know whether he had formal training. But did that, do you find that helped you as far as picking up his style or? Uh, well, the two-handed thing, yeah. uh, which which is uh, two hands doing different things to me um, came a lot more naturally. Yes. Uh, so um, I can play uh, the bass lines with my left hand and uh, and and play organ over the top of it um, without being too daunted. Um, it took a little bit of practice. Um, when the doors uh, were formed, they did uh, audition some bass players to be a, a part of their their, okay. their band. Yeah, but they weren't uh, happy with any of them. So Ray decided to play the bass lines with his left hand, uh, and he managed to acquire a Fender Rhodes, a, um, a Fender Rhodes uh, bass piano. Oh yeah. Um, and um, um, they were they were happy with 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 that sound as 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 a live sound. Uh, interestingly, in a lot of their albums, they do use bass players. Right. Um, um, particularly um, later in some of their later albums. Um, but live, he always played the bass lines uh, on a Fender Rhodes bass. There you go, because I was going to ask you yeah, exactly how he did the sound. Okay, that's really interesting. And so you, when you were faced with, you know, okay, let's put Unlocking the Doors together um, – how do you approach repertoire as far as I'm, I'm sure you do vary it up and I know you did a tour last year, you know, recognising um, the anniversary of... Um, the of the Soft Parade, yeah. Soft Parade yeah. album. Yeah. Um, so h- how do you go about arranging your repertoire and how extensive, how, like how many songs have you basically learnt from, from the doors that you use on an ongoing basis? Um, that's a good question and I'm not sure the exact number but it's a lot. Yeah. So... Um, our shows are generally two to two and a half hours long, wow. so uh, to to fit in a format that works with a lot of of music venues. Uh, when the Doors played live, they played one set, and it probably wasn't nearly as long. Mm. Um, but they have so many hits. Um, they they were a very prolific band. They, they were quite a young band, uh, and they actually released eight albums in five years. Wow. Um, Jim Morrison was a prolific writer. They were all awesome musicians, and uh, they put down two studio albums in the first year, and it just uh, snowballed from there. So um, we try and cover uh, all the big hits, um, but we always put in a few oddities as mm. well. There's so much good music and so much interesting music. Uh, every show is uh, is different. And um, sometimes people will send us messages requesting uh, uh, certain tracks. Uh, we uh, did the Soft Parade anniversary tour, as, as, as you mentioned, and uh, the Soft Parade's a bit of a departure from the other albums in that uh, it's quite heavily produced and, and employs um, a horn section and a lot of strings as well. Um, and so we were lucky enough to be able to get some horn players and string players to tour with us uh, and play the entire album's entirety, which was yeah. uh, wonderful, um, challenging, but, uh, but, but, but enjoyable. And uh, very lucky that the musicians uh, that came on board were all friends of someone in the band. Uh, we got on like a house on fire, had a fantastic time and um, managed to pull off something quite unique. I reckon. Uh, uh, and is that something you had to do charts in that, Sandy, or there was stuff available or these guys were, you know, just able to have a good listen and, and pick up the parts? Well, um, 
uh, we had to do everything from scratch. We couldn't find uh, uh, any uh, charts yeah. for, the, uh, for the for the for the strings and the horns. Uh, we knew most of the songs, and 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 uh, the four of us uh, learnt the songs as as, as we normally yeah. do. Um, but uh, we had to learn them exactly as they were on the album. Mm. Uh, without any variation, uh, without any uh, dramatic license, or um, the solos all had to be the the right length, etc. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, the the charts were mainly put together by the trumpet player and uh, and and the strings players. Yeah, cool. Um, and uh, uh, so they're all very very competent players. And yeah. and we had a couple of rehearsals, and then. Um, they killed it on the night. Yeah. Um, we, we did three shows, uh, Lazotte's, um, The Vanguard in Newtown and Basement in Canberra, and it was brilliant, but uh, stressful. So I think, uh, you know, we've got, got a video of uh, a Lazotte show, and I think um, uh, at this stage we will only be doing a few songs from Soft Parade, not the album from, from cover to cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I, I can't imagine how – great it was having the strings and, and the horns and stuff but you're right it, it's it's a much bigger beast to lumber along the road when you're doing stuff like that that's that's hard work De- definitely and um and we're used to being fairly self-contained uh, there are four people in the band as they were in the doors uh and we're all friends uh we often travel together mm. um and uh share gear and um and socialize um i guess in, in other bands like um Pink Floyd band, for instance, um, there are uh, a lot more personnel required and a lot more gear are required. But uh, we travel reasonably lightly, um, and um, it's just the four of us, and and we're we're um, we're usually all pretty easy to please. Um, we we um, we're, we're quite relaxed with with where we stay, where we go, um, how we travel. So that that makes life a lot easier. Yeah, God, yeah. So no, look, um, and obviously, our lock, locking the doors still going strong. Got lots of gigs coming up. We'll talk about that um, right. towards the end. But let's go a little bit back. I mean, you obviously mentioned your formal training. One of the things that stood out for me, um, both with unlocking the doors and and um, the brazen lies that you've mentioned, is obviously you know how to to rock, um, <laughs> and. Um, this, this is a stereotype that I don't believe applies at least 50% of the time, but some people will say if you're a formally trained musician, you can't usually get into that groove or rock it out like someone that is an ear player. Um, and then obviously yeah. there, are huge, there are huge downsides to being an ear player like me that doesn't have a lot of uh, formal training as well. But you obviously, um, by what I've seen, refute that stereotype anyway. But, I mean... Mm. Has that been your experience? What are your thoughts on that? Because I, I don't necessarily agree with it. And I said, you're an example of why I don't agree with it. But Oh, look, there's pros and cons of having the classical training. Um, I guess um, coming from a classical background, it can be very difficult to to let go and, and, and to groove and to improvise. All those things um, um, aren't covered in, class, in, in um, classical training and, mm. and don't always come naturally. Um, but I was quite fortunate in a lot of ways. Um, when I went to university, I, I stopped playing music for quite a long time and uh, really only got uh, back into music uh, when I met uh, my partner, Mick, mm. probably 14 and 15 years ago. Uh, I always listened to music and had a bit of strum on the guitar, but uh, I think um, playing the guitar as well and picking up the bass guitar 
um, really, really helped me um, yeah. get into the groove of rock music. Uh, when the Brazen Liars were formed, um, we actually know Richie from before. Um, with Richie and uh, another friend of ours, Rick, we had an, an originals band that uh, uh, we played in around the traps okay. to, uh, to, to to small crowds. And uh, we were playing at a local venue one night and uh, the venue manager came up and said, oh, you guys wouldn't mind doing a covers gig, do you? I've had a I've had a cancellation, and uh, it was nine weeks away. And uh, Mick and Rich and I just looked at each other and said, "Yeah, sure, let's do it." And then uh, they said, "Oh, guess what, Sandy? You've got nine weeks to learn the bass guitar." Yes. So, <laughs> so that was interesting. But um, knowing music theory and listening to a lot of rock um, and playing some rock keyboards before uh, was a big um, bonus and playing the bass guitar and and uh, learning some bass grooves and and playing along with 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 drummers um, I think um, without that I wouldn't be able to do um, what I do today yeah that's right and, and you've prompted me on an issue too about learning the bass so obviously I've seen the brazen lies play a bunch of times and um, you obviously do play actual bass guitar um, and then but there are some songs where you are playing keyboards and cover the keyboard on bass now one of the things that stood out for me is that the sound you're getting through, because as you know, most cover band rock musicians will pick out a non-bass guitar, whether it's a backing track or whatever it is, fairly easily. But I honestly can barely tell the difference when you're playing the bass guitar or when you're doing it on keyboard as far as the quality of the bass. How, how have you pulled that off with the keyboard? Um, well, I have to say I've got a, a very good tech. My my partner, Mick, is, a, is, is, is um, in charge of all things technical, with uh, all our bands, and uh, he is a complete amp nerd, <laughs> uh, which is <laughs> which is awesome. Um, so, what I usually do is um, I have a, a little bass head, a little um, LMK Mark bass head, which has two channels. So I run my bass guitar through one channel. And I run the keyboard right. through the second channel. So they've got separate controls, but we can EQ it to sound very much like a bass guitar. And without going into, I don't expect to even remember the name of the sound, but it's sort of what keyboard bass sound are you using? Um, that's a good question. I, I, with the Brazen Lies, I, I play through a Korg um, PS60. Yeah, yeah. And I find that the, um, the Korg uh, factory defaults are... Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's right. So um, I found, um, and, I, and, I, and I can't remember the name of the bass sound off no, the that's top okay. of my head, yeah. but it's a, yeah, it's an acoustic-y bass, woody sort mm. of bass sound normally, but uh, run through the amp, yeah. um, sounds great. And, uh, and, and, and Mick and I together have programmed uh, a number of patches that I can and pick out on the fly. Um, I know you you use a, a software when uh, when 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 you're doing your shows, uh, but I've, I find with the Brazen Lies that it's it's very freeform. And uh, yeah. I, I gave up doing set lists years ago yeah. because <laughs> <laughs> because the boys will call out songs. Someone will say, "Oh, can you play ACDC or yeah. can you play uh, Guns N' Roses?" and and they'll go, "Sure." And 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 in an instant, I need to dial up the sounds I need or uh, change instruments. That's right. And so. Uh, uh, my keyboard setup has always been something that's performance friendly yes. and something that I can change on the fly. So on the PS60, there's a whole lot of patches with um, matching bass um, patches, and 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 the the um, the, the 
the, the bass patches aren't the same for every every sound. No. Like to 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 match with a with an airy string sound, sometimes it's a a, a more acoustic-y sounding yeah. bass. Where the to match with the synth sounds, um, uh, we usually pair them with a much um, more synthy sounding bass. So uh, try trying we try to match the uh, the sounds and the levels uh, uh, to the songs that we play. Yeah. And, yeah. and that probably goes across to unlocking the doors as well. How did you go? Obviously, a lot of those songs, particularly the hits that um, some of the more general punters will know, have very iconic sounds. How, how long did it take you to source the sounds that you were happy with? I mean, obviously, a lot of them were Rhodes and um, I don't know whether um, Ray played B3, but anyway, Hammond or whatever it was. But is that um, – how hard was that to work that stuff up? Um. Yeah, well, it was a bit of fiddling around to try and replicate the sound. Uh, it would have been great to have the vintage instruments, but uh, for, a, for a touring band, yeah. it's, it's it's probably not practical. The no. um, Fender Rhodes bass, um, they are some still around. Uh, they're, uh, they're on the pricey side and they require some maintenance, um, but... Um, they're, they're, that's the sound of the doors um, as, mm. as, a, as as he hits a Fender Rhodes bass. There's a little clunk where the, the hammer yeah. hits the little tines that uh, um, is replicated in the modern digital instruments, but not exactly the same. So I just use a, a standard performance keyboard to, to get the bass. Um, uh, at the moment, I'm using a, a Roland, a VR09, which is a oh, yeah. nice, light little yeah. uh, all, all-rounder. Um, it's got plenty of sounds, um, so I've got a few patches there for for the different bass sounds, and and occasionally I use a um, an, an added um, organ or piano sound in 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 the treble too in some yeah. songs that uh, require the effects. So I, I do that for the bass um, with the organs. Um, Ray Manzarek had a, had a few different organs. Um, he was uh, touring at a time where uh, most people played B3s, yeah. but uh, not that easy to drag around <laughs> on the road. So he started off with a with a Vox Continental, oh, yeah. which was a much much lighter, but had that really uh, carnival high pitch sort of breathy kind of sound to the keys, um, and had that character had the like reverse coloured keys. Their black yes. keys, their black and white were reversed. Um, so um, that was good for a certain sound, but uh, in the middle of the third album, he changed over to a, a Gibson Kalamazoo, which is a okay. looks a bit looks a bit like a Farfisa. Oh yeah, yeah, um, but had a few different sounds and had has a little uh, note bender too. So um, for that time, uh, I guess um, that was uh, a lot better than, um, than 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 what he was used to, and changed to the Kalamazoo, and and did go to a B three for the later albums, but right. I don't don't believe he toured with them because the the last album or the the fifth studio album, La Woman, uh, was made just before Jim Morrison left for Paris. So, right. um, to the best of my knowledge, that was never performed live. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you probably so, would have toured with them. I know, I don't need me to tell you, there's lots of bands out there that would cut Leslie's around for all, like, you know, I've seen pictures of bands with three, four, five Leslie's on stage. Oh, yes. Uh, but, gee, I can't imagine what a nightmare that was. Yes, it's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, interestingly, Ray, Ray never uh, used a Leslie, not not on stage. No. Um, he, I think he recorded with, with, with a Leslie particularly yeah. later on. 
but uh, he had the habit of, of running his his keyboards through guitar amps. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, to give them a little bit of um, I guess that 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 ballsy quality and a, a rock, a sort yeah. of more gritty sound. Um, and and I do that as well. Um, it makes a lot of sense um, as far as 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 ease um, and as far as 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 pulling the the sound of the keyboards. Uh, sometimes in practice, I'll play through a keyboard amp, but there's there's, there's such a difference um, when I yeah. through a, a guitar amp. And uh, generally on the road, um, I just get the sound text to mic up the guitar amps um, and uh, and get the sound straight straight out of them. I have them pointing at my head so I can can hear the sound directly yeah, from yeah. the and uh, uh, that's the best way I've found to try and, uh, and 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 recreate the sound that Ray got. Um, I didn't um, mention – yeah, but sorry. No, you're, I, I was going to say, one of the things I'm <laughs> jealous of too is I imagine you're on stage, sound levels are a little bit more sane than a traditional rock covers band, that it would be nice, I'm guessing, to hear the, the more the intricacies of what's being played because, I mean, the doors can obviously rock out, but I would have thought the venues you're playing, you're not, you're not you know, pumping it out at massive volumes. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, it's only four, us, four of us on stage and no bass guitar on stage. Um uh and uh uh we're, we're able to to keep it to a very manageable level i think we're quite an easy band to mix mm. uh, two vocals um and uh um four instruments essentially yeah i think generally uh mixers are able to pull a good front of front of house sound pretty easily um not really any complications i usually set off a couple of sound effects um, through my organ. Um, It's a bit of a dilemma with tribute bands as as to how far you go. So you're talking things Um, like the the thunderstorm sounds and and things like that for Riders on the Storm, right? There'd be a whole bunch of others. Is it stuff like that? Exactly, exactly, exactly. Because the door's live. Uh, We're we're very stripped back. So Mm. pretty much one organ sound, uh, no sound effects, um, and they just uh, would would bash out their eight or ten songs uh, and everyone would go wild. Um, But for us, uh, we're not the doors, um, and we want to uh, try and recreate um, what people remember of the doors uh, and make it a bit of an experience, uh, make it entertaining. So uh, our lead singer, Rich, he pulls uh, a few of the, the less R-rated antics that, that Jim Morrison <laughs> did on stage. Um, he reads a little bit of the poetry uh, in between a, a songs sometimes. Uh, Jim Morrison is primarily a, a poet and a, a lyricist and came to, to, to singing um, uh, later once The Doors was, um, was, was initially created. Yeah. Um, also, um, I, I, I vary my sounds a little bit. I, I use... Um, I've chosen, um, um, oh, Mick and I have chosen a Hammond SK-1 to oh, use yep. as my main organ. Yeah. Um, it, it's got great transistor organ sounds. Mm. Um, and um, the digital Leslie it's got on board is it's pretty good. Um, we don't use it for a lot of songs, just the latest stuff, a couple of the, the songs from, 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 from LA Woman. Yeah. Um, but... Um, it's it's a great instrument. It's 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 easy to use. Um, the organ sounds are are very organic. Um, so what I tend to do is 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 stick to the organ sounds, but I vary it a little bit to 
to pay respect a little bit to uh, how they sounded, how the studio yeah. uh, song sounded a little bit, and so that not every sound is sonically exactly the same. That's right. And it uh, makes it a little bit, uh, I think, um, more entertaining and easier to listen to. But uh, oh, we've had a lot of Doors aficionados that have come up and say, well, you know, the Doors didn't use those sounds live, and said, well, yeah, we're aware of that. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> That's that 10% we're talking about. That's the 10%. Yeah. That's right. So, uh, oh, we had we had one come up to us at a show in Melbourne and uh, and and poor Mick. Um, Mick plays guitar in the doors yeah. and uh, he does a great job. He plays all finger style like Robbie Krieger yeah. and um, it's quite challenging. He's got to sit in behind uh, uh, the sound of the keys and, and, uh, and, and, and Jim Morrison. Uh, one of these... Um, Doors aficionados in camp to said said to him, "Oh, well done. I'd say you are ninety percent." Thought, oh, good. Oh, I good. guess it's a compliment. <laughs> Should have asked for a certificate. Can you sign Should've. that off, please? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But uh, no, that's where it goes. That's, that's the way it goes. Um, uh, we can't please everybody. We do our best uh, to uh, create a, a good experience and um, to be as faithful as we can. And the, the main point, uh, I, I feel the main purpose of a tribute band is is to keep the music alive. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the doors were 50 years ago and um, we're, we're getting a lot of uh, youngsters, a lot of 18, 20-year-olds. Okay, I was going to ask that. So you are getting some younger people there, yeah. Yeah, interestingly, um, it's come full cycle, and uh, I've, I've been told that um, the Doors um, become quite popular again in in the in the younger surf culture, and um, we've certainly seen um, uh, a lot a lot of younguns, um, uh, people of all ages, um, and some of them are, are moshing down the front and singing every word. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and just sp- speaking yeah. of singing every word, what what are the songs <laughs> for you, Sandy, that you enjoy? most and probably also what you think are the most challenging ones so I mean I know you mentioned with Soft Parade just working with with the bigger band was obviously a challenge but um yeah what are the songs that you, you know you found most challenging but you also enjoy playing the most and there might be ones you absolutely hate although I don't expect you to admit that one oh <laughs> uh, you know what Dave I'd say every song is challenging with yeah, the doors every imagine. song um I guess with the iconic ones um we have to get them very, very accurate, mm. and uh, there's not much license uh, to improvise yeah. too much. Um, I guess I uh, like my fire is one of the big ones um, with that classic um, uh, opening riff, um, but a long, long solo in in the middle as well, a long uh, keyboard solo and 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 uh, guitar solo as well. So I try to stick close to what. Uh, uh, to what people have heard um, on 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 the album mm. version, but uh, um, when Mick has his does his solo, um, we cut loose a little bit and and and, and muck around. Uh, the doors were really um, uh, into uh, John Coltrane, so um, Mick throws in a little bit of uh, my favourite things, a bit of Hendrix yeah. and this and that. We That's have a, right. a little bit of fun uh, in that section and. Um, and uh, it's different every night. And then uh, when Rich comes back on stage, we can bring it back into the song again. So that's uh, that's always uh, something I look forward to. A little bit stressed uh, to start off with, as always, just to make sure that we nail it. But once we get yeah. going, um, love it. 
Uh, Riders on the Storm is another big one, of course, um, one of their popular songs. But being from a LA woman, um, not performed live, uh, as far as I know. We yeah. haven't been able to find a live version. And, of course, the iconic rain track and the little tinkling uh, rundown. Um even after all these years, I always have to take a big breath before, yeah, before that you run. Do that. I was wondering about that because, yeah, it is. It's And, I mean, you've, you've obviously seen Ray's video where he walks through the recording of that track. It's a brilliant video on YouTube yes. I've watched a few times. But, yeah, like it's that's a big challenge. Yeah, I can imagine. It's not that it's difficult. No, it's, it's just uh, the pressure at the time. That's right. That's right. But uh, um, plenty, plenty of iconic songs. Um, so... Um, Every now and then we'll we'll throw in something different. Um, I'm just trying to think of what what we're doing at the moment. Um, Texas Radio um, uh, Wasp from okay. uh, LA Woman. That's that's quite an interesting sort of grinding bluesy song. Um, Love Street. That's quite a tinkly um, piano song. Okay. So there's a real range of material there, and uh, um, we try to perform um, all the everybody's favourites every time, but uh, throw in a few other oddities from time to time um, just to uh, to make it interesting and put something out there for the um, the, the real uh, diehard. <laughs> yeah, that right. 10%. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm hearing you. And, I mean, outside of the doors, Sandy, what, what are the influences going back to obviously growing up and, and starting piano lessons right through to now? What are the big influences, whether it's other musicians that you love listening to or even other players that um, you, you've gone, yeah, this is something I'd like to do? Um, when I was growing up, um, I listened to a lot of uh, 80s Oz rock. Uh, so, <laughs> Didn't we all? Yeah, so... Um, it's all very familiar to me. Um, I didn't really get into this, the synth 80s as much um, at the time when I was growing up. Uh, uh, so we might end the interview right there. Then. Okay. <laughs> no, no, keep going. Interestingly, but uh, being in a band with uh, with Mick and Rich, yeah. uh, uh, Rich is a huge uh, Duran Duran and Bon Jovi right. fan, so we were always going going to play that. Um, Mick is a huge Prince fan, yeah. so uh, I couldn't be helping uh, um, immersed. I'm having the keyboard, we're playing a, a, a lot of 80s stuff as well, which is actually really fun. That's right. Yeah. Um, as far as influences, it's really hard to to name um, any one person. Um, as far as the keyboard goes, um, there are a lot of great guys going around at the moment um, that I always watch closely and 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 grab the chance to go out and see uh, in in Australia uh, yep. when I can. Um, uh, uh, the Dolly brothers, of course, uh, Lockie and Clayton Dolly. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. play Hammond and uh, uh, Clayton's a little bit more bluesy, but uh, fantastic live, um, real uh, masters of performance. Yeah, I'd love to see them. Like, And Lockie also does these, or I assume he still does these online, I think you and I spoke about these online um, organ lessons. He does. Um, and because I don't have any formal training, I've debated forking out for that a few times. I, I, <laughs> that, is, that is on my bucket list to do his lessons. Yes, yes, mine too. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, a lot of the session players going around, um, uh I had the um, honour of playing with uh, Chris Alford as well, who has who, who's played with a lot of the 80s bands um, and uh, pops up a lot at, at some of our local venues and uh, is um, a real uh, 
boffin as far as as gear goes as well, um, but uh, just just a master of sitting in um, with, with with other musicians um, and um, playing what's needed, which is always difficult to to pick out um, in a rock band as a as That's a keyboard. right. Yeah. Well, actually, that, that probably links to a great question I was going to ask you is, yeah, what are some of the challenges outside of unlocking doors? But just as a keyboard, gigging keyboard player, yeah, what what are some of the things that you've learned that you would like to pass on to other people or some of the more interesting anecdotes or challenges you've had at particular gigs? Um, just that uh, I'm always learning. Yeah. <laughs> always. So um, I think uh, less is more. Um, yeah. I think um, uh, uh, selecting the right sounds, um, sometimes uh, not playing unless uh, you think you can you That's can right. add to the sound spectrum. Um, I was uh, I was lucky enough to play in a in a big gig on on New Eve uh, uh, with some well known people. Oh, so yeah. yeah, so so Mick and I played in a it was a recreation of of, of Countdown, the old uh, ABC TV show. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of synth and a, and and a lot of eighties. Um, uh, there were probably. Uh, I don't know, uh, 10, 11, 12 musicians that were subbing on and off stage. Uh, a lot of people that played in the actual um, in, in the actual uh, countdown. Yeah, wow. Yeah, organised by a Zoltan, uh, Zoltan John Budai, who played with, uh, had a stint with the Mentals and, and, and other bands. Uh, we played with uh, Richard Harvey from the Divinals. Wow. Uh, uh, Jeff Duff um, and um, uh, a number of other musicians who are way more accomplished than myself. Uh, so it was a very steep learning curve, uh, trying to know um, when to play, yeah. when to uh, double up with uh, the guitars, That's when right. not to, when to uh, pretend to play, <laughs> and uh, um, how to read off charts. Uh, interestingly, um, in um, in my um, uh, gigging life now, we very rarely use charts. Yeah. Um, and we tend to uh, go with the flow, which is odd for a classically trained player. Yes. But uh, um, I actually love it because, yeah, yeah, I actually love having um, the freedom to be uh, just listening to the band and going with the flow. And if a solo goes a little bit longer, uh, if we don't uh, do the key change straight away or whatever, um, it can happen. That's right. Which is, uh, which is quite liberating. But, I mean, you raised good points here about just being that New Year's Eve gig as far as, A, subbing in with other people, but knowing when or, or not to play. So, I mean, people tend to perceive with 80s stuff that it is absolutely soaked in, in keyboards, but it tends to be very specific. Yeah, that there are songs like <laughs> Jump like Van Halen, by Van Halen and stuff. Yes. Yeah, you, can't, you can't escape that keyboard. Uh, exactly. And, and a bit like Riders in the Storm, well, Riders in the Storm is more complex by a long shot compared to the Jump keyboard riff, but as you're saying about feeling stress, it's because you started off, <laughs> there's a lot of stress there because everyone knows what it is and, you know, just one bum exactly. finger and it suddenly stands out that you've stuffed it up. Exactly. Um, but you've done, you do a fine job of it, David, I must say. I Probably just as an anecdote, and this is more for your amusement, Sandy, but partly for our listeners. Um, in recent weeks, um, the guitar player in my band and I, well, it was his idea, said, look, I want to play Jump, but in the middle, there's that awful, when I say awful, it's just we haven't had time to learn it, that bit in the middle that gets relatively complex. And both for, well, yes. for guitar, keyboards, drums, it's, it's just a different time, well, not time signature, but different rhythm and... 
and so on. So rather than, than doing that initially, we're just playing the first two verses of Jump and then going into um, a, another Van Halen song. I think it's Talking About Love, I think mm-hmm, it's called. Mm-hmm. And we're looking at also mashing Panama in there somehow in that middle bit. Awesome. But, um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, he suggested that, um, sent through a cut together version of it to give an example. We didn't get a chance to practice it. Um, we did sound check uh, at this particular gig a few weeks back and... Um, uh, it, it we just had a quick play through it with the bass player and it sounded okay. Um, our uh-huh. singer and drummer hadn't had a chance to learn it yet. Anyway, we, we're playing this gig this night. Uh, went really well. They asked us to play basically an extra set. We're running uh-huh. out of songs to some extent. We're playing Lonely Boy by the Black Keys and I'm sitting there going, well, this is the one song I have control over. <laughs> so this is this is for our listeners in particular who know, who know this feeling where, you know, usually I'm following, I'm not usually starting a lot of stuff or if it is, it'll be a ballad with a bit of piano and stuff where everyone's just coming in. And I thought, yes. should I surprise these guys? Everyone in the audience is drunk. You know, it's towards <laughs> the end of the night and it's actually been captured on video and I love watching it. And essentially we finished Lonely Boy. I quickly switched over the, to the sound to jump that I already had preset and I just launched into it. And basically the other four people in the band nearly in, nearly synchronised, all turned round to me and look look at me as if to go, what <laughs> the hell are you doing? And it's like, I've started it now. You've got no choice. Like the, the train is off down the track. This exactly. is it. And, exactly. look, and look, they did a great job. I mean, it, it was far from perfect, but it, it went really, really well. And then we played it again on Friday night, as you saw. And it, it, yes. it was like, it's okay. It's still got a way to go. But I just love... Yeah, as you know, as a keyboard player, you don't have that control usually, so it's nice to be able to exert it just once. <laughs> as long as you nail that riff, Dave. Oh, that's right. <laughs> if you don't know it, that would have been a train wreck. That <laughs> would have been disastrous. <laughs> so um, anyway, sorry, taking us off track. But yeah, that 80s point is, is a great one. And I, I think it's fair to say your band, Brazen Lies, you do a great uh, way of, of um, using the keyboards when you need to. Um, you've heard me go on about this before, but I mean, I love your version of um, Boys of Summer, which um, we're going to get onto Desert Island Dis in the moment. Mm-hmm. But for me, if it were Desert Island singles, that would probably be one of the greatest songs of the 80s. Yes, absolutely. Um, absolute iconic song. Um, very popular, always goes off. Yeah, that's right. And it's it's relatively subtle with its keyboards and that's you're quite right. Yeah. It's not about being over the top. No, no, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so, well, we might as well jump into Desert Island Discs. So uh, our guests find this stressful, but they usually come up with five pretty interesting ones. So what what are five albums, if you could only have five? Yeah, um, right. Um, yeah, I, I, I find this very difficult because I could <laughs> easily take 50 or yeah, that's right. 500. Narrowing it down... Um, Hard to go past Dyke Side of the Moon, of course. Yeah, yeah. And uh, look, we we play uh, a track from um, from Dark Side of the Moon, or a couple of tracks in in the Brazen Lies, and and I love it. And I love um, listening to the album. It's yeah. a groundbreaking album. It's been um, I, I think uh, I think uh, I couldn't be without it. Um, not every I know not everyone loves it. Sometimes the kids screw up my fa- their faces when I when I put it on, but <laughs> no, it's, <great. laughs> it's too bad. Uh, okay, Dark Side of the Moon, um, uh, Dire Straits, um, probably um, Making Movies would be my yeah. Dire Straits album. We'll play some songs from Making Movies as well, but um, 
I love Mark Knopfler's phrasing. Yeah. Um, I love um, um, the, the uh, he uses a lot of keyboards as well. Um, Tunnel of Love is in yeah. on the, uh, one of the tracks Incredible in there that I, I love. Yeah. Um, and I'd probably um, take a few Oz Rock 80s. Yeah. Um, my favourite is. Um, uh, Stone Age Romeos, so yeah, who Now, yeah, I do yeah, want to yeah. stop there. This is, again, for our international listeners, and some of our US listeners will absolutely know who Hootagurus are because they've had mm. a degree of success, and I know um, they have a tour coming up there this year, and I think they're, they've sold out a few of the gigs already and, and ha- still have a lot more on sale. But, mm-hmm. yeah, they're, they're just a world-class band, those guys. If you well, haven't uh, ha- heard them, just have a listen. Absolutely, yeah. Um, a lot of energy. Yeah. Um, Great songs, and uh, and and that's my favourite probably, Stone Age Romeos. Yeah. But check out their other albums as well. Um, they've got um, a lot of great albums. Uh, Mars needs guitars. Yeah. Um, uh, there's, there, there, there's a lot of them that are also great. Uh, what else? Um, another uh, Oz Rock classic, probably uh, the Divinals. Desperate. Yeah. yeah. So another big claim here, Chrissy Amphlett is the best rock front woman in history. There's a big claim, or at least in Australian, in Australian history. <laughs> Isn't she? Yeah. And, uh, and the attitude and um, her vocals, fantastic. A really, uh, something that really touched me in the 80s. Great to see a chick up there rocking. Yeah. Um, Did and, you get a chance uh, to see her live? I did. Yeah, actually. same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, back in the 80s, actually. Oh, even better. Um, yeah, late 80s probably. <laughs> yeah, well, it's probably the same tour I did. It was very late 80s. It was about 89. Yes, yeah. yeah it would yeah. have been the same tour, yeah. Uh, snuck into the Herdsman Hotel back in uh, Western Australia, pushed my way to the front and yeah. uh, um, watched them rock it out. Fantastic. And did you find you had the – and I'm not going to go into details of the rumours, but there are all these horrific rumours about the things Chrissy was going to do on stage when she got there. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And obviously none of that happened, but you just heard all these stories. You go, oh, my God, surely she's not going to do that. And obviously she didn't. She was a class act. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, up to five. I'd have to choose a Doors album, of course, um, being a Doors band. (laughs) Um, And it's a tough choice. Mm. Um, I like two of their albums a lot, Um, probably their self-titled album, the, the, the first breakthrough album. Um, with Light My Fire on it, um, the introduction of that classic Doors sound, that organ sound, um, having a rock band um, that um, that made it so big that was all about the keyboards was just yeah, amazing, uh, a real iconic sound. Um, also, LA Woman is one of my yeah. favourites, yeah, yeah, which is their last studio album um, where they revis- revisited their roots somewhat, um, some bluesy songs, uh, introduced a B3, very interesting album, and one that uh, we're talking about recreating next year on the 50th right. anniversary. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd choose one of those yeah. as well. Good, good, good picks. Um and obviously, what's what's coming up for you? I think I now know what's coming up for you in the next year by what you've just said. But yeah, so this year, just a lot of busy gigging with both bands and um, yes. continue to do what you do. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, uh, keep getting the music out there. Uh, the Brazen Lies is our fun band. Mm. It's our pub band. And uh, it's always fun. It's always different. Um, the uh, the Doors um, is a... Uh, we, we take that... Uh, 
a lot more seriously in, in, in some respects. Not that we don't take the brazen lies seriously, but uh, uh, we try to be a lot more faithful. About, yeah. yeah, a bit more purist, a bit more faithful and respectful to, to what they produced. Um, and uh, we'll be touring that uh, interstate uh, this year. So, um, um all the information is always on our Facebook page and, and, and website, yeah. of course. But, and we'll absolutely uh, link. We're, we're going to link to in the show notes, obviously, the website, but also um, there's some great videos on YouTube that I th- I'm assuming you guys had them done as far as um, Riders on the Storm and a couple of others at, um, I assume that was at Lazotte's or, or wherever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we've got, got a few up. I think um, we had a, a big filming session at Lazotte's and one at, at the Brass Monkey too in Cronulla. Um, but... Um, we throw videos up onto our YouTube yeah. uh, channel from time to time. I think there's a, there might be a couple up there from the Soft Parade tour as well because yeah. uh, we actually got the uh, the uh, the string and horn section up to play encore with us too, which was a lot of fun. Brilliant. Yeah. Good stuff, Sam. I can't thank you enough. And, um, yeah, it, it's it's great to get an insight into, like I said, one of the most iconic bands and, and eras. It's certainly um, something I wouldn't be attempting to take on, and uh, you guys do a great job. I know there's a, a few Doors bands around the world, but you're absolutely up there with the best of them. So, Thank you very much, and thanks for having me, Dave. And there we have it. A huge thanks again to Sandy for taking part. It was really great to talk with her. And as you can hear, she's one hell of a player and a great person to boot. So the keyboard players will be back again in a fortnight or so. But just a reminder that we love to hear from you and you can keep in touch via a few means. Our website is www.keyboardchronicles.com and we're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash keyboard chronicles or on Twitter at the keyboard chr1. If you like good old-fashioned email, then do drop us a line at editor at keyboardchronicles.com. And that includes if you have any suggestions for people you would like to see interviewed on the show. We're always up for those suggestions. So we'll definitely be back in a fortnight, and um, thank you for listening and hope to see you back then. Mm